So Jesus asked that you would use your word to help us know where you are going and how we can go with you. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, hello, 945. Good to see all of you here. Those of you watching uh, in the community center at 11, our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, those of you at home, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, what I want to do today is going to be a little bit different uh, for the sermon. I want to talk to you about where our elders and pastors have discerned God is taking this church and kind of what our vision is. And along the way, we will kind of reflect on um, the, the, the passage that we just read. And there's going to be a lot of information, and I talk fast, so just don't try to remember all of it. Just go for the kind of the gestalt of it all, okay? So if you've been around here for a while, you will remember us saying over and over again that we want to be a church the East Side can't live without, that we would so serve the East Side that city councils would go into paroxysms of despair if we even thought about leaving, right? And that they would beg us to stay, and they would build us new parking lots and new buildings just to keep us here because of how we served. Well, over the last four or five years, I've had a lot of different conversations with city officials and school leaders and business leaders who have said various versions of things like, I'll directly quote one city council person, if your church left, we would have to raise taxes to take care of all the stuff that you guys take care of. Business leaders have said to me, please don't leave. Whatever you do, your church is vital to life on the east side. Because of what we've done through Jubilee Reach that is lifting families out of poverty. You know, we started that and it's lifting families out of poverty. There's just data on that. You know, through after school programs and ESL, all kinds of stuff. Eastside Academy that's here in this church where we have students there saying, if it weren't for EA, I'd be dead or in jail because that's where the rest of my family is. The service day, auto angels, on and on. Because of that, city officials, school officials, business leaders are saying to me, do not leave. So, Bell Press, well done. We are accomplishing that vision. So then our elders said, well, what's next? Because God is always on the move. So what's next? And kind of an expansion of that vision. Where our elders and pastors have discerned over a year or so, God calling us is to partner with Jesus to seek the spiritual, relational, economic flourishing of the cities to which God has called us and beyond. The old-fashioned word for that is revival. I'll get to that in a minute. The passage we just read says, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you. That's addressed to Jewish exiles in Babylon. And the word there for peace and prosperity in Hebrew is shalom. And we don't have an English equivalent for shalom. It means so much more than peace or prosperity. It means the complete total healing of all things. It means the complete total relational, emotional, spiritual, social flourishing of those around us. That's what shalom means. That's what God is calling them to bring to their city where they are in exile. So we feel called from that verse to bring God's shalom, the fullness of that. The old-fashioned word is revival. But revival, broadly defined. So revival of marriages that are in trouble and falling apart. Revival of hopes in families that are fractured and putting those families back together again. Revival of people coming out of poverty and revival of people and racism being healed. Revival, and yes, people coming to know Jesus. Because as we just said, Jesus makes all things new. Jesus puts broken marriages back together. I've seen him do it a lot. Jesus can heal broken bodies. I've seen him do that. Jesus helps us know that there's a God who loves us so much that he would rather die than lose us. And when you know that you are loved, 
everything changes. And Jesus helps us know that we are loved. Jesus who cancels our debt of sin. It is better to know Jesus than not know Jesus. It is better to be in a relationship with him than not. And can we all agree if everyone would just do what Jesus said to do, the world would be a better place? Right, so we want folks to know Jesus. But beyond that, the fullness of revival, marriages, families, businesses being run ethically, all of that, that's where we feel God calling this church to partner with him to bring that to the east side and beyond. And this is happening. It's happened before in history where cultures have been transformed. It's happening now in Africa and Asia and Latin America, which is one of the reasons that we need to stay connected in a few places globally because they can teach us how to do revival because they're doing it. But revival, broadly, revival of all things, okay? That's where we feel God calling us to bring that flourishing, to partner with him to do that. How are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? Well, bring Jesus healing wherever we live, work, play, or learn. Now, we've been doing this as a, corporately as a church for a long time through Jubilee Reach and Service Day and Eastside Academy. But what if each one of us did this just in our regular lives, just as you go about your life, okay? The passage says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. I'm never going to do that with my daughters, by the way. <laughs> just going to disobey that. Seek the shalom of the city to which I have carried you. In other words, as you're doing your stuff, as you're going to work, as you're going to school, as you're just about your business, look for ways to partner with Jesus to bring his healing. That's where we feel God calling us to go. The way we're going to do it is we're going to individually and corporately bring his healing wherever we are. So there are 4,000 of us in this church. What if all 4,000 of us started doing that every day? God, give me an opportunity to bring your healing. And what if, if all 4,000 of us did that? And what if just half of us, only half of us, had one convert that provoked one conversation with someone in our school or workplace or neighborhood that led that person to establish a relationship with Jesus? Just half of us had that conversation because of how we brought Jesus healing, provoked the question, the answer to which can only be Jesus. And half of us were able to lead someone into a relationship with Christ. That's 2,000 more Christians in a year. And now there's 6,000 of us. And what if all 6,000 of us do the same thing the second year? And again, half begin to follow Jesus. Well, now there's 9,000. Right? And it just keeps, you just do the math, and it just keeps multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And what if we weren't the only church that had this as our vision? Oh, we're not. Because one of the things we've discovered is that independently, what happened to my vision? <laughs> there we go. One of the things we've discovered is independently of each other, there's a couple of churches in King County, this is their vision too. We didn't talk to each other about this. We weren't like peeking over, you know, while they were taking the test and copying their notes. We just independently of one another, we just arrived at this vision. And now we're finding each other. It's as if God were doing a movement here in King County. So what if we all did that? Then you, then you start to create a movement. And it just grows exponentially. That's where we're going, complete flourishing. That's how we're going to do it. Now, we need some things as people to be able to bring Jesus healing in ways that provoke the question, the answer to which can only be Jesus. We need some things to support us. First, we need to belong to a warm, multi-ethnic, all-generations community that supports us, gets beyond news, weather, and sports, and serves together. Now, let me just, why is it multi-ethnic in all generations? Well, because, because we, we want to be the full family of God, and we want to reflect the east side that we're a part of, and that means we're going to be multi-ethnic, and that means we're going to be multi-generational, right? It means we're not all here yet, right? Like, you don't start... Christmas dinner until Uncle Charlie gets there, right? We're not all here yet. There are empty seats. I hate empty seats. 
I hate empty seats, which is why Mariners games can be hard for me, right? I hate empty seats. We're not all here yet. So we want to have everyone here. But more than that, be part of a community that supports us. When something goes wrong, when we lose our job, when our marriage is in trouble, we need a support group. When, when we try to bring Jesus healing, because that can be kind of hard, rewarding, but hard. We, you know, and you go like, oh, well, I tried to bring Jesus healing in my office the way Dudley said to do, and it didn't work out so well. So now I'm kind of mad at him, kind of depressed. But you need a community to go, no, you did the right thing. Keep going. Keep doing it. It will pay off. Cheer you on. And get, get beyond the surface stuff and where are you aching, where are you faking. Let me help. We need that support in order to do that. And be healed ourselves. Because if we're going to bring that relational, economic, spiritual flourishing, then if we're going to be par- partner with Jesus to do that, then we need to experience it first. We need to be healed here first. So if you came heavy burden today, first order of business is this has got to be a church where you get healed up. Okay, and we need, to, we need that community to support us. Second thing we need, we need to become like Jesus. Willing to sacrifice time and comfort and reputation to see his healing come, his flourishing come in our lives and beyond. We need to become like Jesus. You know, you know the great commission, some people call it the great suggestion. You know, go into all the world and make churchgoers of all nations. It's in the Greek, really, trust me, right? No, it's disciples, right? And a disciple is different than a churchgoer. A disciple is someone who's willing, who's been so transformed by the love of Jesus that they are willing to do a little bit of sacrifice to see his flourishing come to themselves and others. So this church has to help us all be disciples and not just consumer Christians. And I got a lot of that in me. And I know some of you do too. So we got to help us become disciples, not just churchgoers. So we need that community to help us bring Jesus healing so we get to that flourishing. We need to become like Jesus next. We need to build towards third way, racial justice and healing in pursuit of God's heart. Why is that there? And some of you right now may have just started to shut me down, right? Like, this is the church getting all political. Not if we do it right. Not if we do it right. If we do this right, it will look like neither Democrats nor Republicans. It will look neither liberal nor conservative. It will just look like Jesus. And why is that there? If we're talking about bringing healing, and if we're we're, we're going for is the complete flourishing of the culture around us on the east side, well, one of the biggest places our culture is hurting and that needs healing right now is racial relations. And that's been the case for 400 years. And more than that, Jesus' people are called to do something about this. And I have been slow to realize how big a theme this is in Scripture. And I failed you as your pastor. I have been slow to realize this. Even though I am in an interracial marriage, I have been slow to realize it's everywhere in the Bible, guys. It's all over the Old Testament. It's almost every book in the New Testament, maybe the exception of one or two books like Jude or Third John or something like that. But, you know... Every other book of the New Testament, this racial healing is part of it. Think of it this way. The church did not start the day Jesus rose from the dead. It started 50, years late, or 50 days later on what was known as the Feast of Pentecost, a Jewish holiday. And because it was that holiday, there were Jews from Africa, black people in Jerusalem. There were Middle Easterners there, brown people. There were Europeans there, white people because they were all assembled in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit came and they all started to understand each other's language. So think of it this way. If if, if racial healing is so important to God that he delays the start of his church 50 days so that the first church can be multi-ethnic, what does that say about the heart of our God? And it's in every single book of of the New Testament. 
So this is so biblical. And this is something Christians historically have always been taking the lead on. For 2,000 years, we opposed slavery. Every pope opposed slavery. Abolition, that was Christian. Civil rights, that was Christians that got that ball rolling. This is a place that we have historically been strong. It's everywhere in scripture and our country desperately needs it. And what if people who don't know Jesus can look at us and say, you Christians, you, you're figuring it out. Well, none of us, is, you, you, and it doesn't look like Democrats. Some of you are Democrats, some of you are Republicans, some of you are liberals, some of you are conservative, but you're transcending politics and it just looks different. Why does it look different when we say it's Jesus? And then Jesus gets a hearing in the marketplace of ideas. So we need to bring that particular kind of healing. And then lastly, we need to be a community that equips and empowers and releases all of us to do this. So we got to figure out how we equip and empower us to do this with an emphasis on youth and young adults. Why is that there? Okay, let me tell you what that does not mean. Okay, that does not mean that if you're over 35, we don't care about you, right? It doesn't mean that. It does not mean that we're going to mess with worship styles. Different people have different languages of praise. It does not mean that I'm going to start wearing skinny jeans. <laughs> Can I have an amen? Yeah, because nobody needs to see that, right? Although now I put that image in your head, it's there. So um, the reason it's there is a couple, the young adult, youth and young adults, well, we're not all here yet, right? And the other thing is, if you look at the numbers, the greatest percentage of people who have no relationship with Jesus are 35 and under. In fact, virtually nobody 35 and under knows Jesus. And so if we're talking revival, well, in missions terms, that's called an unreached people group. And we want them to know Jesus because Jesus makes life better. Jesus helps us know we're loved. Jesus puts marriages back together, right? All of that. So that's one reason. The other reason is they want you. They want you. You may not know that, but they want you. If you are an older person, say 40 and older, they want to know you. They want to be with you. It's different than my generation, the baby boomers, right? We said, oh, I'll never trust anyone over 30. And we thought that was really awesome until we turned 29. And then re realized how, just how trustworthy we were, right? But this generation, they are saying, the number one request I get from young people in this church is please connect me with someone older. I don't know how to find someone to marry. I, I'm starting my career and I don't know how to do that. We just had our first kid and I don't know how to handle that. Would you please connect me to someone older? Scott, the older, the better, like your age. <laughs> and here's the thing, here's the great thing, right? If that's what they want, this church, we are to older people as Saudi Arabia is to oil. We have tons of them. <laughs> so we should absolutely be the church of destination for young people because you're all here, right? And, 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 and you've got a wealth of experience. You've got a wealth of successes and they need to learn from them. You have a bunch of failure and they need to hear that too because they're going to fail and they need to know how Jesus works in that. And you got some baggage, and we all got baggage, and they need to know that too. And it's also, you know what? I have found it's easier to be a mentor than be a parent, so it's a chance to do it right, right? So, so that's kind of, that's what we need, those things to bring Jesus healing and so that we can partner with Jesus to see his complete economic, relational, and spiritual flourishing in the east side and then beyond the east side to the world beyond. Now, for those of you who may be, oh, next question, sorry. I'm doing this without notes, so there may be mistakes. Um, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why not just keep coming to church? We act because we believe that Jesus is Lord. We act because we believe that Jesus has conquered death, and that means he can conquer anything. We act because we believe Jesus can heal marriages, families, people in poverty. We act because we believe Jesus makes all things new. 
And we love because we've experienced God's love. And this is the foundation for it all, right? Because without this, all we are doing is just a bunch of good deeds and that will wear out. But the foundation means we've got the first order of businesses. We have to experience God's love because when you know you're loved, everything changes. So this church has to help us experience God's love. And then out of that overflow, we begin to give that love away. And that's the foundation for it all. For those of you who think more visually than this way, maybe think of it this way, okay? Look at it this way. That's where we're going. The complete flourishing, economic, spiritual, relational, revival, broadly defined. Okay, that's where we're going. And think of this as little thing here as a church, okay? And the roof is, the way we do that is the bring Jesus healing wherever we are. Now, there's some things that are going to support that roof, okay? Some pillars and those things to help us do that. Those pillars are belonging, community, discipleship, and racial healing, right? Those are those pillars. Now, there's some things we're going to need to do to accomplish those pillars, and we're calling them experiments because we, effect, we intend, we expect to fail at some of these experiments. And if we don't fail, we have failed because we have played it too safe. So for instance, the burgers and brunch thing we do once a month after church to help us form community, right? So just get to know people um, and be with people, right? Because, you know, yes, we need to get beyond news, weather, and sports and go very deep and all of that. But you don't usually walk to, up to someone after the service and say, my secret sin is, as fun as that might be, that's kind of not how we do it, right? So you got to, hi, my name is Scott, is a good place to start. You know, maybe start groups, six to eight weeks groups that really focus on helping us be disciples. For racial healing, the frames and filters workshop we've been doing. Those are some things that will support that roof to get to that big vision. And then there's a floor. We all need to be equipped. That's what we're going to stand on, right? With an emphasis on youth and young adults. And the foundation for it all is we've got to experience God's love. Okay, so that's where we are headed as a church. So what does that mean for you? Okay, well, let me talk to two groups of people. Oh, sorry, there will be errors. Um, if you can remember nothing else, if you can remember, I did this perfectly over there. You guys are messing me up. Um, if you remember nothing else, remember this is what we're going for. Okay, the spiritual, economic flourishing, relational flourishing of the, of, of the cities we're called to and beyond. If that's all you can remember, great. If you can remember a few more things, remember these B words. The way we're going to do that is bring Jesus healing. To be supported, we're going to belong to a community. We're going to become like Jesus. We're going to build toward racial healing, and we're going to be an equipped community. Okay? That's it in a nutshell. Now, what about you? Well, let me talk to two groups of people. Some of you might be going, I don't get it, or I don't like it, or I don't like parts of it. Right? Okay. Well, I mean, just it might happen, right? Or I don't understand it. What do you do? Well, first, keep coming. Like, it's not like we're going to talk about this every single week. We're going to still preach the full gospel, the full Bible, and its relevance to our life, right? Keep worshiping, so keep coming. But second, talk to an elder or a pastor. We've been praying over this thing for, for over a year. So talk to a current elder. They're, they're on the website. You can find them. A pastor, if you've got questions, we need your input. We need your feedback. Even if there's pieces you don't like, we need to hear it. We need your input, and we need your feedback. Some of you might be going, I think I get it, and I think I like some of it. Now what? Well, pray for and listen for those nudges of where you can be involved. Over the course of the next several years, we will be inviting you into various parts of this vision and encourage you to just be prayerfully listening for God's nudge to where he might want you to step into this vision. And we'll give you lots of opportunities to do that. So that's how you can, how you can get involved. You know, as I look at this, this is a very, 
uh, big and complicated vision. Um, you know, it's not like anything we've done before where we've done things like let's do a service day or let's start Jubilee Reach or let's build a center for street kids in Rwanda. Those are discrete one project. You can kind of get it. This is like a bunch of stuff. It all works together, but it's like a bunch of stuff, right? So, and so it's kind of, but, but I, we've prayed over this a long time. I thoroughly believe this is where God is calling us as a church to go. And I believe that top line is possible. It happened. We, Culture was changed in the Roman Empire. Oh my gosh, are you sick of hearing me preach about the Roman Empire? You should be by now, right? Culture was transformed because of Christians living differently. They brought flourishing and gladiator games disappeared and women got more rights. It happened again in post, uh, in, in, when Rome fell and in pagan Europe, all those tribes re-Christianized again, changing culture. It happened in the United States in the 18th century. It was called the Great Awakening and it led straight, a straight line to abolition. It is happening now in Africa and Latin America and, and, and Asia, which is why we have to stay connected to those places to learn. It has happened before, it is happening now. I refuse to believe that it cannot happen here. There are only two places in the United States that have never experienced revival, the Bay Area and the Seattle area. This church aims to knock one of those two off this list, okay? And that is the Seattle area. Bay Area can take care of themselves. <laughs> I don't care about them. Right, they can figure it out for their own. And I believe it can happen. I don't believe this is just pastor talk. I believe, and what else are we here for if it's not this? If it's not that top line, what else? To experiencing that, experience that flourishing ourselves and to bring it to other people. If that's not what we're about, then what are we about? This summer, we were interviewing a, a, a person to join our staff here, a young guy, and we showed him an earlier version of this, and we said, this is kind of where we're headed. And he read over it, and then with a lot of emotion in his voice, he said, I've always thought this is what churches should do. I just didn't know any were doing it. Well, this church is, and this church does, and this church can, because I believe God wants to do this. And what a place to do it in. I mean, just look at it. Look at that picture. Look how beautiful it is here three days a year. Like, why wouldn't God want to redeem that, right? <laughs> and I believe he wants to do it here. I'll close with this. A couple of years ago, I was at a church at a conference, and they have a prayer room where someone is always in that room every hour of the year praying. So you just walk in, and you just feel God's presence. And I was praying, and I got this nudge, a thought that clearly wasn't my thought. It was God. And it said, go to the back of the room. So I got up and I went to the back of the room and then I got this other nudge, clearly not me, from God, this thought that said, put your hand on the east side. And I put my hand on the east side and as I did that, I suddenly felt incredibly sad. I started thinking of marriages in trouble. I started to think of families being broken apart, kids who are under so much pressure and they don't know if anyone loves them. I started thinking of all the people in poverty here on the east side and I just, I felt and I started to cry. And I'm not much of a crier. I've cried like five times in my adult life, right? And this is one of them. And it wasn't dignified crying. It was full-on snot-running crying. And I realized, I heard God say, this is my broken heart. You are feeling my broken heart for the east side. But at the same time, I had hope because I also was feeling God say, but I can fix it. I can heal it. I'm the God who makes all things new.
And Scott, you are part of a church that's going to want to be a part of this. You are part of a church that's going to want a piece of this action. So Scott, I'm breaking your heart for what breaks mine to give you the hope that I have and to help you see what I see, the potential on the east side. All that could happen here. The world is here. 85 languages in the Bellevue School District. International corporations like Microsoft and Amazon. And God wants to heal it all. And Bell Prez, I know you. I know you. I've been with you for 15 years now, and I haven't stayed that long because you get on my nerves. I've stayed because I love you. I love you very deeply, and I know you. And as much as we all sort of think we want ease and comfort, not really, not really. Deep down, I think we want a vision that is big enough to live for, a vision that is big enough to fight for, a vision that is big enough to persevere through even when it gets hard. Bell Press, I know that you want to be part of this. Why not us, Bell Press? Why not us? Why can't we be one of the churches that starts this movement? And I know you want a to be a part of that. As house by house, school by school, office by office, God's will gets done. His kingdom comes here on the east side as it is in heaven. He meant that one literally. Until that day that the kingdom of this world becomes the kingdom of our God and of our Christ, and the earth is filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. So what do you say, Bell Press? Let's go get him. Jesus, you make all things new, and you are making us new, and you are making the east side new, and you are making the world new. And Lord, we ask that you show us how you want us to be a part of that, that the world may know that there is a God who lives, a God who redeems, a God who conquers death. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.